Hey everybody, I'm David G. I'm an alcoholic and an addict. And I'm really grateful to be here with you guys tonight. It's been it's been a long three weeks since I seen you last, and uh it's really good to be here. It, it just is. I I love uh meeting with you guys. It seems like we've been doing this for a long, long time together. God, we went through so many weeks of the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous and in-depth study, revealing self as being the culprit to all the problems that we have in life. The insanity of it was it had deceived us into thinking it was everything but that. You know, for so long, I thought my problems was alcohol. I thought it was drugs. I thought it was sex. I thought it was lust. I thought it was other people. But in having an awakening in 2019 as a result of an emotional breakdown after 25 years of sobriety and Alcoholics Anonymous, I had come to learn differently. And it wasn't so much about the learning as it was the experiencing freedom from self, the bondage of self. And so these traditions are really no different. Really, they're here for one purpose, and that's to unify. That is to bring a loving God as he may express himself in the consciousness of the group. When that happens, there's really no place for self. Although there are a lot of personalities that are in our groups and, and we see that, it takes a lot of us a long time to outgrow the idea of being the leader, trust me, I know all too well, as the way that I've learned the traditions and experienced them wholly in my life is by continually breaking them through the years and not even really being conscious that I've done that to somewhat, yes, but, but not really fully understanding. So tonight, you know, we look at one of the most important tradition of all of the 12, it's kind of like step two is the answer to all of the 12 steps came to believe a power greater than self could restore us to sanity. Because step one is the problem. Step two is the solution. And without the other 10 steps, I don't get to remain in the solution. I always return to the problem. And I'm not talking about drinking, drug and lust and sex and eating. I'm talking about self will reemerge and it will convince me of things that aren't true. And I will take actions based on that and create a reality of living hell. And so it's no different in the traditions. Tonight, we're going to look at the group's purpose. We're going to look at a loving God as he may express himself in the consciousness of the group. We're going to look at leadership versus, uh, we're going to look at being a servant. Um, these are things that the ego has no idea about. So when I have this awakening, the way that I was taken through the book is I was read through and taken through the process by Mike M. And after that was over, he, he took me through a journey of the 12 traditions. After that was over, he, he took me through a, the journey of the 12 concepts. And so really, he awakened me to 36 spiritual principles in order to recover, not just 12 or not just 24, but 36. But I want to look a little deeper as we have in all of the studies. I know we're talking about the group. I know we're talking about the AA group, the SA group, or whatever group we may be a part. I know we're talking about the group. But I want to look at self, and I want to look at the personalities that come along with self, that live on the inside of me and manifest their self. To me, I consider this a group. So for our group purpose, there is but one ultimate authority. Now, if I've not had this awakening through the steps as outlined in the book, <clears throat> this great awakening to love, 
that ultimate authority is not going to be a loving God. It's going to be self-manifest in various ways, and I'm going to continually stay defeated over and over and over. So I want to look a little deeper than just the consciousness of the group of people. Of course, that's important, because without you, there really is no connection for me, as page 55 describes it in the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous. We found the great reality deep down within ourselves. So if this great reality is deep down within me, then it's deep down within you. And when I keep you at a distance, I keep this power at a distance. And when I let you in, I let this power in. And then we become a group. Our consciousness become one. Now, I never believed that before. For whatever reason, I always seems separation. Always. And that's what the ego does. It sees separation. It doesn't see unity. I'm different. I'm bigger. They're littler. I'm, you know, she's prettier. He's this, that, whatever. We're not looking at that anymore. So I'm going to start with, with, you know, some literature that I pulled from. It's not just going to be the 12 and 12. But I want to move into this first and talking about the great awakening to love. Because for me, it was anything but that for many years, even in Alcoholics Anonymous. I was the leader. I was the one who founded the group. I was the one who picked the speakers. I was the one when it came to group conscience. I went around and talked to everybody prior to that and told them what a good idea it would be to look at things the way that I see them. And this is why. And I would very well simplify that. And I would make sure that they were on the same page with me prior to ever going into that group conscience. And then AA, we call this stacking the deck. So I would stack the deck in order to have this group conscience to go in my favor. And so whenever we would come to it, it hands down, everybody would vote the way I wanted them to vote. There's no unity in that. There's no love. There's none. It's me. It's self. It's I. It's my wants, my desires. This is what's best for the group. So as we look at a great awakening to love, I want to look at some literature that I have, and I'm sure most of you will want to know what it is, and, and I'm more than happy to share anything I have with you. But when I look at a great awakening to love, it says, as we move into this time of awakening, awareness of truth of love's oneness, increasing and limited beliefs are being undone. If you remember in our spiritual terms exercise in the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous, we really begin to look and explore these beliefs. And we begin to see if these really served us or not anymore. And if they did not, there's a process of elimination of letting those beliefs go. And sometimes that can be kind of frightening, especially if I've held on to something I believe in for a long, long time. What's going to happen if I don't believe that way anymore? The day that I quit believing that there wasn't a loving God, that one day he was going to burn my ass in hell for the rest of my life. The day I quit believing that, I became very frightened that if I'm wrong, this is going to be a bad outcome. But as time has went on, you know, I don't I don't fear that anymore. So we want to continually look at these limited beliefs and look at how they're being undone. That causes the veil between the truth of oneness and illusion of separation to become thinner and thinner and thinner until it no longer exists. I'm either living by illusions or I'm living by the truth. And if I'm living by the truth and I don't need to defend it, I just don't. So in the literature that I read, it tells me that the spirit will help me reinterpret everything that I perceive as fearful, everything. And when I get into the inventory in the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous, I begin to do this. And I start to see pride and self-esteem. I start to see 
security and ambition. And I see all of these things. And this is a collective group of what some people call defects of character that live within me. But there is one ultimate authority over that. And once I reveal those and expose those, and I confess those, something miraculous happens. I begin to heal from those. So the inventory, the purpose of it was not to show me who I am. I ran around for NAA for years saying, this is who I am. This is who I am. See, this is not who I am. This is who I'd become based on a narrative that was given to me myself. And so I believe that lie. I acted on that lie and created the reality from it. So in the presence of those who hear the Spirit's call to oneness, which most of us do that have been through this process, the ego begins to fade away, and it's eventually undone. And man, that is a beautiful thing. <laughs> now, it's not that it's never going to come back and we're healed, and that's just not the truth. But this openness to the light of truth makes it easier for, easier for us to change the way we think. And really, that's the whole process of what we're trying to do whenever we come to this work is outlined in the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous. It's about change. Charlie used to tell me all the time, nothing ever stays as is. The universe is in a constant state of change. We will always continually be changing or else. And so the way that I think affects the way that I see. And so changing the way I think is really the purpose. It's purposeful for life. So for our group purpose, there is but one ultimate authority of loving God as he may express himself in the consciousness of the group. And so in the 11th step, I read a lot about the consciousness. So, you know, the awakening time can be heaven or hell, depending on the willingness to let go of limited beliefs, attitudes of separation, uh, lovelessness, scarcity uh, or the lack of any of that hell is really the result of resistance to accepting our true nature of oneness and love and i don't believe that i am complete love no matter what it seems to look like on the outside i have really separated myself from what the creator intended me to be and when i do that there's separation now i do a lot of non-duality i just do i believe it I'm always going to believe it. I had that awakening. I don't believe that a wave is a part of the ocean. I believe the wave is the ocean. I don't believe the clouds are a part of the sky. I believe the clouds are the sky. They're just in different form. I believe that a lot with myself. But what I believe and what you believe may be two different things. It doesn't matter. Anything that I say here that your sponsor tells you something different about, he or she is absolutely right. You go with their experience, not mine. But I just know that the longer that I held on to old and limited ways of thinking, the longer that I felt distressed and depressed because joining with the ego system and that thought, it really seemed to experience great turmoil within me over and over. And that caused an experience of disease and mindful stress. And most can relate to this. I mean, hell, if you've been in AA for any length of time and you had a great experience in the beginning of it, but somehow that really seemed to fade away, and all of a sudden we start getting dull, and we start getting void, and you know, all of a sudden we're back to doing the old things that we did once more. It's just very crazy about that. So our true self is always with us. We're never alone. And this tradition really brings that out. I know I'm kind of going around this some, but we're going to come right into the meat of it for sure, trust me. So, though we may be caught up in the drama of the moment, experiencing faint, uh, fear and pain and uncertainty and all that kind of stuff of self, it's still in our mind. 
really, you know, there is always something ready and available to help us see differently. I know that the big book on page 24 or 25, excuse me, at the very top of the page, it says there is a solution and it's written in an italics. And it says almost none of us like the self-searching, the leveling of our pride. That's step four. The confession of our shortcomings. That's step five. And it goes on to say, which the process requires for its successful consummation. So consummation is something that was always done in a marriage, you know, to, to experience oneness and wholeness. And so it tells me that this process is going to involve that. Not so, okay, now you're free of drinking, go on and live your life. No, so that I can see differently, so I can feel differently, I can behave differently. I no longer believe self. I've got eyes on this now. I'm able to see what's going. So as I awakened, what happened, there was a growing awareness that thoughts create an experience. They create a reality. They just do. You know, I begin to recognize the effects of our thoughts more and more quickly as they come along now because I practice step 10 constantly. So, you know, if I'm willing to do my part in the great awakening, it promises me that heaven is complete. It's, it, it waits for me. The, the great reality deep within. We talk about it over and over and over. And I find for the first time that I'm really not alone. You know, my voice, my eyes, my feet, my hands, and through all of this, my creator uses for me. It's like he uses me for this purpose. And he will do the same for the group. So as we start tonight, really, I want to kind of take a look at some of the some of the soldiers of self, I like to call them, before falling into what the 12 and 12 has to say about this particular tradition. Now, when I feel like I've separated myself from you, from God, and trust me, I've done that a lot some of the things that that i really no longer experience is some of the some of the great stuff that that the awakening brings the opposite of my true self it, it, it kind of goes like this i experience guilt separateness confusion shame embarrassment nervousness anybody have any of those feelings sober what about envy and anger and self-righteousness, resentment, jealousy, apprehension, blame, hurt, regret, frustration, worry, boredom, fear, loneliness, dismay, loss, disappointment, irritation, grief, helplessness, doubt, being alarmed all the time, being impatient. If we experience in that, it really doesn't mean that I've done anything wrong here it's just that i've kind of moved away from the consciousness of, of that which brings wholeness and that's a loving god as he may express himself in the group conscience of whatever it is now if that's in my marriage then the best thing for me to do is take a look at this and if it's something i don't agree with we can talk about it gently today when there was a, where there was a time that was just bullshit it's my way and that's the way it is and uh you know, if I didn't come right out and say that, I definitely took actions to make sure that's the way it was. I did the same thing with the group. I've done that with friends. I've done that with people that I worked with. I've done that in all of my affairs. But after the awakening and going through the first seven steps of the process outlined in the way we do it, 
most of you have done it this way as well through the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous in this process, I begin to experience the opposite of that. I begin to experience fruits of the spirit, which was loving, trusting, enthusiastic, generosity, being serene, caring, calm, relaxed, grateful, spontaneous, open-minded, peaceful, cheerful, patient, honest, open, given. That was never me. <laughs> Trust me, that was never me. I was always a taker. Gentleness, understanding, knowing, defense. Today, if I hurt somebody, it hurts me. If I know that I've hurt them, it hurts me deeply until I go and make that right. So our literature in the 12 and 12 begins to talk about this tradition, at least in mine. On page 132 of the 12 and 12. And that's kind of where I would like to move over to and share a little experience. Really, there's kind of three things that jump out to me in this reading. There's three points that I really like to take a, a close look at. The first point is, how do I view authority? Because let's look at what it says, tradition two for our group purpose. What's the purpose of the group, really? There's but one ultimate authority, not David. If it's in my marriage, it's not David and it's not her. If it's in my job, it's not me and it's not my boss. It is a loving God as he may express himself in our group conscience. Our leaders are but trusted servants. They do not govern. So the first thing that jumps out to me here is authority. Now, my outlook on authority is I never looked at someone in authority as being placed there by God. A lot of the times you will read a lot of literature that says someone who is appointed in authority over you, God has placed them there. Well, I, that's BS. I never felt that way at all. I valued no one's authority but my own. And at first I feared authority. I even feared authority from my sponsor whenever I first came into Alcoholics Anonymous. I just did not like that. But as time went on, I began to trust him. I began to rely on him. And that's whenever the only thing changed. See, the sponsor didn't change and I didn't change, but my beliefs changed. And that's kind of what we see here. I just know that that love, you know, of the of the group NAA, you know, I begin to trust and love and see that they have my best interest in heart. I begin to feel the love from them as well. So for the group purpose, there is one ultimate authority. So when we talk about authority, I need to look at my view on authority. That's the very first thing I want to do in moving through this tradition. Because if my outlook on authority, all authority, not just a little bit, but all of it has not changed, then I'm probably not going to see this tradition for what it's worth. Yeah, we can read what Bill wrote. We can break it all down. We can make it sound real pretty and all this. It doesn't matter. If I'm not submitting to some kind of authority, then I'm still very much self-centered. Self is still very much running my show. So the first thing that jumps out to me is authority. The next thing that jumps out to me in this is a loving God. Now, that's something I don't know about you, but that I struggled with for many years. I was brought up in, in a kind of a Pentecostal environment. That's what my family was a part of. And that's the way I always viewed God. 
everything was very loud, very thing. You know, it was just, if you do this, you're going to die and burn in hell. Now, that might not have been what was said, but that's what I heard. So I really want to take a look at a loving God. You know, I want to examine my beliefs, especially in this process on page 47. And a lot of the things that I read about, the soldiers of self versus the fruits of the spirit that I read about just a few minutes ago, I really need to be taking a look at those to see which one of those are really being active in my life. And if some of them are and some of them aren't, then I need to be looking at the ones that aren't. And I need to be asking God to remove that, those things from me and be willing to walk through it. So really the first point there I, I see is authority for sure. And so the second point, and this is found in the reading from page 133, to 138 in this book and if we look at that very carefully he's going to begin to give examples of people who were governed by self who were taking actions based on self and the result was you know the group was starting to become very stale very stagnant they, they weren't growing as a group well, some people got together and decided to make some changes within the group. They voted these guys out. They become very butthurt, as we call it in Oklahoma. And <clears throat> some of them conformed to change. Some of them didn't. The ones that didn't, they stayed miserable. Some of them drank. But the ones that did, they really began to grow by spirit. So when I read the book, just like we went through the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous all those weeks, I really want to break all this stuff down and take a look at it in the first person. And that's definitely with me. So, you know, I'm really here to be a servant, not to govern anything. Now it took me 25 years to really, now I would have said that to you, but today I can say that to you and mean that with all my heart. I really want to serve more than I want to try to govern anything. I, I really do. Now, at the same time, it doesn't mean that I'm going to condone bad behavior and I'm not going to let people run all over me and stuff like that. Bill kind of, uh, Bill W., he kind of described a trusted servant as someone who was chosen to serve with special abilities, not chosen to govern. You know, the group needs me and my special abilities. They just do. And I'm not saying that egotistically. I'm saying that because I have a message to carry with a lot of years of experience behind it. I've made a hell of a lot of mistakes and I can step up to the plate today and say, Hey, this is my experience in Alcoholics Anonymous. This is what I've done. It wasn't pretty. It was very ugly, but a loving God came to the rescue. He expressed himself in a group conscience. And one of the most beautiful things that ever happened in my life in 2019, whenever the group completely turned their back on me and walked away and rightfully so, I mean, According to our literature, you should never do that to any member, no matter what they've done. But really, the best thing that ever came out of it was I got to meet you guys. I mean, I've got friends here from Bali, North Carolina, uh, Tulsa, Oklahoma, Owasso. I mean, all over the world. Uh, it's just I've really come to depend on you guys. So when I go to an in-person meeting now, which is very rarely for me, I really don't feel the same way at home as I do as whenever I'm on one of these calls with you guys, not just when I'm talking, but when I'm sitting in a meeting with you. So jumping around there, like I say, you know, I want to look at the group's purpose. I want to look at my purpose. I want to look at one ultimate authority, not several. I want to look at a loving God. I want to look at how he may express himself in the group. 
And I want to look at being a leader, a trusted servant, not a governor. That's what I break down just out of the title there on page 132. So our book says like this, where does AA get its direction? That's a hell of a question. If you really ask, of course, anybody's going to jump right up and say, God, of course, God. But really think about that because you've got a lot of directors in the group. You've got a lot of trusted old timers. And sometimes what they say either is or it isn't. But I've learned today that I can challenge that if I don't believe it. There was a situation just about a week ago where a man made a decision to make some changes in a script on one of the groups that I attend. And he didn't ask anybody about that. He went to another guy and he said, this is the way it's going to be. So you just call everybody and let them know or text them or whatever. And that's what the man proceeded to do. Well, one of the per one of the, the members of the group, you know, got upset about that. Like, hey, there should have been a group conscience here. We should have went to this. Now, there's some people that are here off of a uh, Thursday night AAA meeting. God, I love that meeting. You talk about organization. You talk about tradition. That meeting is probably one of the best meetings that I go to by far. I don't believe that would have happened there, <laughs> but it happened in this particular meeting. So when the gentleman was called out on that, he got a little bit upset. But in the end, after talking with him, you know, I think that he came to the understanding that, hey, you just don't do that kind of stuff. We just don't make decisions based on self today. It's like, hey, this is a hell of a good idea. I think I'll do this. And the rest of the group will go along with it. So that first question right there, where does AA get its direction? Does it get direction from people like that? Because if it does, then that meeting is probably not going to be as strong as, say, the Thursday night. When I go to that meeting, and it meets on Sunday afternoon as well. Structure. I mean, it's just, you can see who runs it. That next question, look who runs it. This too is a puzzler for every friend and newcomer when told that our society has no president, having authority to govern, no treasurer who can compel the payment of any dues, no board of directors who can cast an erring member into outer darkness. That's definitely what's happened to a lot of members I know, especially those that have the pool, you know, that was caught up in, in lust and, and sexism and stuff inside of the group. It says, when indeed no AA can give another directive or enforce obedience, our friends gap and explain, ex, uh, gasp and explain this simply can't be. There must be an angle. These practical folks read tradition too and learn that the keywords right here, soul authority. NAA is a loving God, period, as he may express himself in the group conscience. So if we jump down toward the bottom of that, it says, what are these facts? And that's the word I'm going to look at. What are the facts of AA's life which brought us to this apparently impractical principle? Bill always follows it up with an example. Now look at what he does. Let's see it how self manifested in various ways left untreated after we're sober for a while and doing pretty good we're really not keeping an eye on this stuff so much anymore and he's going to use john doe as an example here but let's see how john doe gets caught up into self even though his intentions were very good coming into this and let's look at how a loving god expressed himself through the brute conscience and corrected this deal it's pretty amazing when I read these examples. I don't just look at this as good reading or boring reading anymore. I look at this in the first person. John Doe, a good AA, moves, let us say, to Middletown, USA. 
alone now. He reflects that he might not be able to stay sober or even alive unless he passes on to other alcoholics what was so freely given to him. So we see that the spirit of John Doe is in the right place. It just is. But it's very sneaky how self will creep back in. It says he feels, we want to pay attention to that word because <laughs> we know that that's kind of what self is made of. It's a mental activity made up of feelings and attitudes and concepts and beliefs and separateness. And But it says he feels a spiritual and ethnical compulsion because hundreds may be suffering within the reach of his help. Nothing insane about that. Then, too, he misses his home group. And he needs other alcoholics as much as they need him. He visits preachers, doctors, editors, policemen, and bartenders with the result that Middletown now has a group. And he is the founder. Now, I can relate to this because I live in a small town and there had always only been one AA group, several groups within the clubhouse. Let me, but there had ever only been one place that you could ever attend AA. So in 2007, my wife and I stepped out and decided to do something different on that. And we did. We created a group which was called the Broken Bottle Group here in Oklahoma. A very strong group. Turned out to be one of the strongest groups. I mean, we were all, it was big book all the way. And it was just, but being the founder, he is at first the boss. And by God, so was I, <laughs> in my mind. Who else could be? That, that was kind of my question, too. Who else is qualified for this? Nobody. So here we go. Very soon, though, his uh, assumed authority, and that's all it is, it's assumed, there's no authority there, to run everything begins to be shared with the first alcoholics he has helped. So as this group begins to grow, other people begin to have ideas of how things ought to be, and I don't think they ought to be that way. I think they ought to be the way that I planned them out to be, and the group's just going to be fine without it. So I began to direct them to other meetings and do all, you know, I didn't realize it was me doing this. I was just taking the actions on the thoughts that were coming to me, and that was from self. So it says at the moment, the benign dictator becomes chairman of a committee composed of his friends. So I put some guys together that I'd sponsored and they were always going to see things my way, no matter what. These are the growing group's hierarchy of service. Self-appointed, look at that small s. We're not talking about spirit here. We're talking about self-appointed, of course, because there's no other way. Matter of fact, uh, in a matter of months, AA begins to boom in Middletown, and that's the same thing that it done here. It began to take off, and we started taking a lot of members away from the other clubhouse and my sole deal was I wanted to see that clubhouse go down and you know all of this craziness and insanity that's going on not to mention lust addiction that I'm keeping hid in the dark and so the founder and his friends it says channel spirituality to newcomers hire halls make hospital arrangements and treat their wives brew gallon to brew uh, gallons of coffee now, being on the human side, of course, we're talking about self here. The founder and his friends bask in a little glory. They say to one another, perhaps it'd be a good idea if we continue to keep a firm hand on AA in this town. And I promise you, that's exactly the way that I felt at the time. This is not a good idea. If anybody that's on here listening to this and my experience, I'm telling you, the day come whenever this, this was not good anymore. After all we're experienced, and besides, look at all that we have done for these drugs. Keywords, look at all that we have done. I don't see anything about a loving God there. 
I didn't see anything about loving God here either. This was my attitude, same as his. I'm thinking this story was written by me and my wife's shaking her head. So, yeah, they should be grateful. True founders and their friends are sometimes wiser and more humble than this. But me and mine wasn't. But more often at this stage, they are not. Growing pains now beset the group. Panhandlers panhandle, lonely hearts pine. Problems descend like an avalanche. Still more important murmurs are heard in the body, politic, and which swell up in a loud cry. <clears throat> Do these old timers think that they can run this group forever? And that's what other people started to think, particularly one woman and a, and a bunch of people she kind of had following her. So there, you've got a lot of egos kind of running on top of each other. Bill's going to go on to talk at the very end of this channel uh, chapter about the good being the enemy of the best. And he's going to bring that to the light. And although we had very, very good intentions with what we were doing and the way that we were doing it, we definitely, it was not in the best leadership. So best of the leadership that we did. So 134 says now comes the election. The founder and his friends have served well to their surprise. They may, to their surprise, be reinstated for a time. If, however, they have heavily resisted the rising tide of democracy, they may summer, be summarily bleached. In either case, the group now has a so-called rotating committee, very sharply limited in its authority in no sense whatever can its members govern or direct the group. And this is why they are servants. There's a sometimes thankless privilege of doing the group's chores. It, it just goes on to talk about all of that. But if you come to the, to the very bottom, paragraph there on 134 it asks this question it brings us straight to this question does aa have real leadership and most emphatically we can say yes those that are dependent upon a power greater than self to dictate to manage the group i tell you whenever i first awakened from self the only thing i ever wanted to do is talk about self well not everybody want to talk about self not everybody want to hear about self by God, they're going to hear about self one way or the other. I was going to tell them about it, and I proceeded to do so. And i tell you what happened was a lot of them began to not come back anymore. And I just thought, well, that's fine. All of you can leave for all I care. You know, the ones that are serious will say, you know, all this crap. But the deal is, you know, I need to share my experience and not my idea. I need to be able to sit down and take a man through the book and show him exactly what that first step says, how these ideas and concepts and beliefs draw us back into addiction. But it's not the addiction that's beat us up. It's, it's the things that drive us to do that. And that's the things that I mentioned there earlier. So on page 135, he really begins to break down how we go through this getting beat up by self, even in the group, and people begin to vote us out. And so he says, let's turn again to the disposed founder and his friend. What becomes of them? As their grief and anxiety uh, begin to wear away, a subtle change begins. Now, that's a good thing, or it should be. Ultimately, they divide in two into two classes known in AA slang as either an elder statesman or a bleeding deacon. Now, these are two classes of people that you will see in AA all the time. Those that govern, those that direct, those that crack the whip, this is the way it is. There is no other way. That's the bleeding deacon. Now, the elder statesman, you know, he'll sit back and listen to the craziness for a while, but he'll usually say something pretty profound that gets the group thinking in a different way. 
In fact, the next sentence says the elder statesman is the one who sees the wisdom of the group's decision, who holds no resentment over his reduced status. Now, anytime I'm reduced in my status, whether it be in my work, whether it be whatever it is, I tell you, there's always, that doesn't always set very well with me. I've been out of the field that I've went back into now for about eight years. I've been gone for almost as long as most people have been in it. And so I came in with all this experience and my idea was, well, I'll just go down here, you know, I'll get a little bit more re-familiar with the things that are going on. And in a short time, I'll be right back to this. I had all these ideas and they were all set in place. Well, when I get there, everything's changed. I didn't consider that. Now everything is done mathematically. There are different formulas that you got to go by to the very same job that I did eight years ago and didn't have to do any of that. And now I'm not used to that. And all of a sudden I'm looking like a lost pup out here and they've hired me to come in and do a job here that I'm not able to do now. How in the hell are you going to explain that? <laughs> it's like, oh my God. And so, minutes, David. okay, thank you. So the reduced status is, is very humbling. And that's what I found. But as it says toward the end of, the, uh, of that page, you know, we become the voice of the group conscience. In fact, these are the, it's the true voice of Alcoholics Anonymous. We don't drive by mandate. We lead by example. This is the experience which has led us to the conclusion of the group conscience. Well advised by its elders will be in the long run wiser and, and more simpler. So for time's sake, let's, let's take a trip over to 138 in the book. And I like to, there was a story here, and, and I shouldn't have took up so long that, that we could have read about, but read about this yourself. Charlie Townsend offered Bill a position at Towns Hospital. That would have really brought him out of a place that he was in financially. It would have helped him. It would have helped his wife. It would have helped everybody. And Bill was just <clears throat> very excited about it. And so on the way home, you know, that evening, he was riding the subway going home. Self spoke to him. And it brought a scripture to him. Self is very, very well versed in scriptures. Don't think for a minute it's not. In fact, on 137 here, he says it like this, down about the third or fourth, he, he says, although I asked Charlie for a little time to consider it, my mind was made up. Of course it was. Racing back to Brooklyn on the subway, I had a seemingly flash of divine guidance. Notice the word seeming. I always want to pay attention to that. It was one single sentence, but most convincing. In fact, it came right out of the Bible. The voice kept saying to me, the laborer is worthy of his hire. Bill's convinced. I mean, why would these thoughts not be coming? So arriving home, he finds Lois cooking as usual with three drunks looking on hungrily. He drew her aside, told her this. Look at the next paragraph. It was meeting night. And they boarded, you know, some got sober, some didn't. They had their wives with them. They were downstairs in a parlor. So he bust, burst into this uh, good news to tell them, you know, and he, he says this, never shall I forget their impassive faces and the steady gaze they focused upon me. And look at how God spoke through the consciousness of that group and probably saved Alcoholics Anonymous at the time. Notice the bottom paragraph on 137. Almost timidly, one of my friends began to speak. We know how hard up you are, Bill, and it bothers us a lot. We've often wondered how what we might do about it. But I think I speak for everyone here when I say that you are now, what you now propose bothers us an awful lot more. 
The speaker's voice grew more confident. Of course he did. He's speaking from spirit. This is spirit directed. This is not self. Don't you realize, he went on, that you can never become a professional? As generous as Charlie has been to us, don't you see that we can't tie this thing up with his hospital or any other? You tell us that Charlie's proposal is ethical? Sure, it's ethical. What we've got won't run on ethics alone. It has to be better. Sure, Charlie's idea is good, but it isn't good enough. And this is a matter of life and death, Bill, and nothing but the very best will do. Challengingly, my friends looked at me as their spokesman continued. Bill, you have often said right here in this meeting that sometimes the good is the enemy of the best. Well, this is a plain case of it. You can't do this to us. So spoke the group conscience. The group was right and I was wrong. The voice on the subway was not the voice of God. It was the voice of self. Here was the true voice welling up in me out of my friends. I listened. I thank God and I obeyed. So when I look at good being the enemy of the best, you know, I have a high calling in Alcoholics Anonymous, and I'm aware of that. I've been aware of it for a long time. To be good is not enough. I must, I must rely on spirit to be the best, being okay. At least I fall asleep. Page 68 of the 12 and 12, and I'll end with this. Let's, let's run over to page 68 for just a second. And... We're looking in step six, and this is on page 68. It's down the second to the last paragraph where it says this. If we would gain any real advantage to the use of this step on problems other than alcohol, we shall need to make a brand new venture into open-mindedness. And that's exactly what we've been talking about here tonight. You know, we need to raise our eyes toward perfection and be ready to walk in that direction with a loving God as he may express himself in our group conscience, whether that group be at work, whether it be at home, whether it be an Alcoholics Anonymous or whatever fellowship we may be a part of. And whenever it comes to life as a whole with just brothers and sisters, you know, I need to be looking for that. And when I make a mistake, as it says in step 10, I need to correct that immediately and begin to turn my thoughts in another direction. And if I will do that, then I get to continue to experience love, trust, enthusiasm, generosity, sereneness, caring, calm, relaxed, grateful, spontaneous, caring, open-mindedness, peaceful, cheerfulness, patience, honest, open, given, gentle, understanding, no intolerant. That's not the way I lived my life prior to having an awakening in 2019. And I've been sober a hell of a long time at that time. So I really hope that you will take the tradition, look at it closely, and apply it to your everyday life. They're not as hard as it seems to be. In fact, they're pretty damn easy. We've got to be relieved of the bondage of self or it'll never work. There either has to be a loving God, or we're, we're either directed by a loving God as he may express himself, or we're directed by self as manifest in various ways, and that always defeats us. So I'm really glad to be here tonight, and I'm glad you guys came out to listen and, and join in with me. So thanks for being here. Thanks, Ashley. Thanks, Rhonda. And Beth, thank you for your service. I know you're, you were having some problems there, but thank you. Thank you. This concludes David's share, but we encourage you to keep listening as he answers questions from the group and shares additional experience, strength, and hope. David, thank you so much for sharing tonight. Um, I was wondering if you wouldn't mind speaking to uh, 
someone who's cast out or casting out an Aaron member into the outer darkness. Uh, that was definitely my experience at one time. Uh, and if I had to do it over, I was wondering, you know, how do you kind of stand up to a group like that when you're a newcomer or someone who's struggling? Do you just leave the group? Do you try and talk to them about it? What do you do? I think that's a very good question, Ashley. Thank you so much, <clears throat> because that was definitely my experience as well. And I was I'd been around for a long time. Now, they didn't tell me I had to leave. And, you know, that was probably a good idea because I wouldn't have if they told me I had to. But I just felt like it was and I did. And uh, but in a situation like that, no one can cast you into outer darkness, no matter what you've done. Now, you can continue. For me, it was it was one of the two. You know, I either come back, I make amends, I change I'm in my ways and I walk a different man. I want to stay around here and grow up. Or you know, I need to leave and lick my wounds and try to go somewhere else. Now, a lot of times, and I'm pretty sure in your case, you know, because we're buddies and, and I've heard your story several times, it turned out to be a better move than, for you than, you know, you could have ever imagined. And it did for me, too. It really did. So anybody that is new, anybody that tells you you have to leave that meeting and you can't come back, our traditions say something the very opposite. Now, I know it's kind of hard and it, it, God, it, we, we just feel like crap whenever, you know, something like that's happened. But there is only one ultimate authority in AA, and that's a loving God. And anybody, I mean, the whole spirit of the program of Alcoholics Anonymous, as I know it, is about forgiveness. It's about oneness. It's about love. It's not about holding, you know, the mistakes over your head that you've made and beating the hell out of you. Because as we'll see in some of these later traditions, as we begin to study them, they tried to do that to a few people in those days. And those people just would not leave. They stayed around and made their life miserable. But what happened as a result of that, those people changed as they stayed around the group and they ended up conforming to the group and the whole damn group changed, not just one person. So it can be a beautiful thing, but it's very frightening for someone who's new and doesn't know any better. So what I would say today on a situation like that, you're going to have to make me leave <laughs> because I'm not leaving. And that's kind of where I would be at today. Uh, but, you know, there again, uh, a loving God always expresses himself. And that's definitely what he done with you. And that's what he done with me, because we found a group now that is, that is pretty awesome. So. And most every one of them, if not every one of them, are on this call tonight. So thanks for your question, Ashley. Go ahead, Michael. Hey, David. Nice to see you again, mate. You too, brother. It's Ashley and everybody who uh, is running this group. It was very nice to... I had terrible problems with my internet, but I managed to catch about the last 25 minutes. Um, I, I just got a proposal. I, I mean, I guess there are people from all over here. Uh, I don't know whether everybody's in big book step study, AAA, but, you know, following the Hyannis uh, process, which, um, you know, whereby we are trying to reverse, you know, the um, and go back to the original method of doing the steps as the, uh, as the um, original uh, founders of AARs. And uh, I was wondering, I mean, I, I go to quite a few meetings now. I'm not, I'm not aware of any tradition um, uh, tradition meetings or time put aside to go through. Clearly tonight, I've learned a lot from yourself, David, as always, and the question that's already been asked. And I was just wondering whether 
you know, those of us who are probably far flung across all of the United States could go back to their groups and have a group conscious to see whether maybe one meeting every four to five weeks we could start going through the traditions because they're as important as the steps you very clearly pointed out this evening. And um, a lot of people go through uh, the process and don't get guided through it with the um, accuracy that perhaps we should be. I don't know what you think about that, but, you know, I, yeah. I haven't been to a tradition meeting for a long time since I've been here in America. Yeah, thank you, Michael, for your share there. <laughs> and you're absolutely right. When I first came to Alcoholics Anonymous, we would study a tradition for the last 15 minutes of the meeting, one time a month, and that was at the end of the month for 15 minutes. <laughs> and nobody really had anything to share about it. They just wanted to kind of read about the tradition and move on. So I really learned nothing of the traditions. Likewise. And all those years, uh, what I really was doing was breaking all the traditions. <laughs> and I'm, not really knowing any better. You know, I mean, I had a pretty good idea that something was going on there, but uh, when I went through the process that, that you've gone through now or have been through, uh, the man, when I finished, I mean, it was very important to him that he took me through the traditions. And it was something at first I really didn't want to do because I just hadn't had any experience with them. And then for me, it didn't seem as exciting as the big book. But as we got into it, we really began to break down self and see that how self cannot live inside of the tradition because it's all about unity. It's all about divine oneness. It's about love. It's about all of these things. Then I began to have a different experience with the tradition. So today, that's really, I had been asked to do a traditions workshop for a long time and I kind of declined on it. But the reason that it, for one, it came up to me in my prayer time is exactly what you said because so many people have missed out on the traditions so i'm glad that we're doing this workshop and yeah i encourage any group to uh, really bring that to the group conscience of how can we better study and apply the traditions and if people say well i don't really know it then we get to learn it together that's the good thing so yeah I, i'm always excited to be at a, a meeting that that does the traditions Al-Anon, for me, has been probably one of the better places that I go to learn about the traditions because they definitely study them there and apply them. So it's good to see you, Michael. Thank you for coming.